1: new shows every day find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from
0: hockey fans if you'd like a copy of my new book tales with tr fights film and folklore head on over to blankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com.
1: Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner. It's college football season. And of course, to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, that's America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard it right, ladies and gentlemen, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, and coming from a dad, that's what matters to me the most. It's located here in the United States, so you know it's homegrown, it's easy to deposit, and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 65 of Tales with T.R. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. And um, right off the bat, if you've been following along with my podcast, you'll know that this is extremely late. Um, I'm recording this on Saturday. I'm not even sure if it can come out till Monday. And then we'll have another one Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, no guests today. So a lot to unpack there. Uh, first of all, well, basically, I, I didn't have time this week. And I'll tell you why. So like I said, I've worked a little bit on a show, Hudson and Rex, which is quite popular here in Canada and uh, starting to be around the world. And there's many versions of it, too, in Europe. Inspector Rex, I think it is in Germany. Um, you know, it's a kind of a who done it show with uh, Charlie Hudson, who's played by John Reardon, good guy, a buddy. I now, I guess, I could say a buddy. I didn't know him before this, but uh, grew up. Johnny grew up in Halifax, hockey fans. He went to school with Tara Sloan of Craft uh, Hockeyville fame, and I mean. She's a great musician, too. I just mean, if you're in the hockey world, you probably know Tara through that. She was in a band called Joy Drop. Had some deadly tunes in the late 90s. But anyway, so I've been working on that show. I, was, I did a few stunts over the years, and I was a character. I think it was either episode 9 or episode 11. I'm, I'm the gunman, I think I'm called. Basically, you know, I did exactly that. Without, if you haven't seen it, it's in season one. Yeah, did I mention that episode nine or eleven, whatever? And it is—it is a pretty good show. Though when I heard that there was, we were doing a do- with a show with the dog. I honestly was like, oh my god, I cringed. I'll work on it, you know. And I'm on crew most of the time. I just got lucky with the with the roles and the stunts. Um. So anyway but it, it really is a, a decent show and it, it you know it's filmed all over St. John's so those who uh who who are from Newfoundland and live away and want to be reminded of home which is a lot of us um Newfoundlanders have great pride in their province and it's nice they, they they go out of their way to try to get the most you know ideal places to shoot around town while 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 showing you know the best parts of Newfoundland and the most familiar parts to people that might live away. And they tie some storyline stuff into. So anyway, this particular week we did a hockey episode. So basically again, I, I, I can't talk about it much because you're not supposed to give away the plot. So I'll just say that we, uh, it was a bunch of my buddies here. We had about God, 12 of us uh, maybe more counting some background that we used that were hockey players uh, and it was great you know there was you know basically this this episode revolves around a couple of hockey teams that are practicing and play games that night in this world it's the Halifax Hurricanes I believe uh, versus the St. John's Ice Pirates right and it's pro hockey it's Meant to be East Coast League level kind of thing. But anyway, it was awesome because I got all my buddies in. And uh, it was the first time that those two worlds met. I did do Letterkenny, um, you know, two years ago. So, but, so hockey met film for the first time for me. But it wasn't my buddies that, you know, here the whole, like most of the crew, 75% of the crew down there are people that I've been working with. And I've put far more time in on the crew. Right. People might see like IMDB and see me post some stuff when I do a stunt or when I have a role. But, you know, that that's few and far between in this world. I, I, you know, <clears throat> I normally do. For those that know the, the film world, I do locations. I do set dressing. The odd day on grips. Uh, and I do a lot of background acting, which is a lot of hurry up and wait type situations and uh stunts it maybe i'm you know, getting you know one every month or two right so and i love that that those are my favorite Uh really gets the adrenaline going you know like you you got to do it here's your everybody's i i don't know i it, it's it's the I, I compare it to the rush of maybe going out and playing your first or not your first you know game in the nhl head for people to relate to I guess but even like junior or any level you are for me like the first game in the NHL was mesmerizing but it wasn't really much unlike my first game in the WHL or junior a you know it's it's dream like you're out there you're you're overwhelmed uh, but you know you you just kind of ride the adrenaline it's almost like you're in a dream state you got to do it here we go you know there's no more waiting the puck's dropping the game's scheduled and we got to go right now and, and and you know and then there's the higher you go the more thrilling that becomes, you know, I remember like my first shift, I could hear the wind. It it was surreal. It was almost, I don't know, for those who smoke weed, it was almost like smoking powerful weed without having to do it. Like I just noticed everything, you know, the first game in in the forum, you know, my first NHL game, I mean, it was an exhibition game, but it was in the forum. It was late in exhibition, right? And everybody was playing. We're playing Boston and like Bork was in the lineup we had Patrick Bois in that. It was like just a couple months before he snapped and got traded, right? And uh, like we had, I was on a line with Mark Reckey and Pierre Turgeon. Um, so all the vets were in. Lyle O'daline was playing, Mike Keane. And it was in, yeah, I was in the forum. It was sold out. So it was that feeling. Um, just. My first actual game was against Philadelphia. That was similar. Like, you know, just you're out there, you can hear the breath go, like, you guys ready? And and I never normally would notice that. And skating around, I could like feel the wind at my at my ears and everything. And, and that goes away after a while, right? It's just but that's what I compare to like when you're doing a stunt it's like all of a sudden it comes down to it. You've been practicing it. You've been waiting for it. You've been, and I was well into the film world before I got to do one. So I pictured it for so long. Hopefully I get to do a stunt. Hopefully I get in. And then the camera's on. Right. And it's like, okay, action and go. And it's all about normally, normally, normally nine out of 10 stunts that I've done. It's about timing. Sometimes you get punched and you don't even get touched. Right. It's, it's all camera angles and things like that. Um, so it's a rush. Let's just say that it's a rush. Public speaking is another one. I don't love doing it. I, I stand up. I don't love doing people ask me like to do stand up because I've done it. I did it because Jerry D offered me to do it right. He was torn Canada and uh, we were going to write a hockey show together. We kind of did, you know, st- still tinkering with that. I am anyway. Jerry ended up getting family feud and and Mr. D really took off. And well, I guess it was nearing the end then, but he was still working on it. So once he got Family Feud, our ideas went out the door. But he's a great guy. He keeps in touch. But anyway, that summer, which was I 2017, I think, um, that's it. He took me up to Toronto and I opened for him in multiples. I'm trying to think, it was London, definitely, Halifax, St. John, St. John's. Uh, I, oshawa maybe no i didn't do london maybe it was four or five though oh i did st john's uh, newfoundland and that was the hardest one in my home home crowd because i I know that they don't want (laughs) they don't know what to think of me right um so but anyway and i felt pressure but anyway yeah i mean he offered me to do that and i was terrified man i was terrified i was like this is something i can't do but i can't turn it down jerry d's asking me i would have regretted it forever and I, I didn't want the anxiety of regretting it forever. I swear to you, that's why I said yes. And anyway, um, you know, I got through it. And, and I, I was a bit of a crutch I used at the beginning because I would, I would tell people the exact story that I just told you. I would say, you know, I, I, this just fell into my lap. I'm really nervous. I used to play hockey, uh, but Jerry gave me an opportunity. So here we go, right? And then people I remember in Oshawa, people started, go abs, go. And the other side were going, go leaps, go. And um, I think I told the Ty Domi story. I fought him for the first time when I was 18. And uh, my buddies just graduated high school. It was anyway, it was just nuts. But I'm sure, I've told that on here. But anyway, you know what I mean? So I'm more telling stories that on the way, you know, you've maybe heard me on and Chicklets or whatever, right? I mean, I, I can spice up a story and that basically is what i'm doing you know I'm, I'm telling the stories with a lot of imagery because people can relate that are hockey fans because really i'm a hockey fan and all those i never really lost the fandom it never got normal to me that i'm skating around even practicing i was like i'm practicing in the nhl i said that to myself every day I'm, i mean like i said 96 97 the whole year i saw all i did and then over the times i was black aces and we we're up there for the playoffs and I, it never, just walking into the room, never got normal. It was like, holy shit, like this is the Montreal Canadiens. Like, what? Pinch yourself kind of thing. Um, that didn't get normal. So when I'm on stage, I think maybe I convey that. Be, well, because it's a fact. So, And I, I, I think I'm less making people laugh than I'm, I'm relating to them as a hockey fan. So if I'm in Oshawa, Right. Places like, you know, Toronto's the but you could argue you could make an argument. Toronto is the epicenter of all things hockey on the planet. Couldn't you? You could. So Oshawa is a thriving suburb of it that has its own junior team. I mean, in those kind and, and, you know, the story that I chose to tell, tell that night involved the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. Right. So the odds start to sway with me and at least people will throw me a bone. And that was my stand-up comedy. I think it's. I think people. Well, I know that they, they, that they they. Anyway, when they hear I do stand-up comedy, they think it's like, "What's the deal with airline peanuts and, and and shit like that?" And so, like, when I was in downtown Toronto, Jerry would have me practice. He's like, "You know, otherwise you can't get up and do it for me." So, like, he'd go and do his thing. I only saw him once every week or so. I'd go and like I had this place in Parkdale of all places up there. I mean, I don't know where I was going. And, you know, I had friends, but I didn't want to bombard them. So I uh, I just would go down and like walk up on stage on random nights at like the comedy bar. And yuck, yucks. And sometimes I bombed. You know, I remember once at yuck, yucks it was the worst experience of my life that I can think of. Other than two times I put my foot in my mouth, I congratulated a girl on being pregnant, and she wasn't. And I'll never forget that. Uh, Just a terrible moment in time. And um, I'd heard that she was anyway, and she kind of looked like it. Horrible, horrible. Um, But this was awful. It was in Yuck Yucks on Richmond in Toronto, Richmond Street. And next door, there was like a Snoop Dogg concert happening some it was something snoop Dogg was there and it was a wrap off or or, or whatever I, i'm not sure um it was some sort of freestyle you know competition and snoop was there doing a few songs the, the way i remember it and there was only like 11 I, I remember i think 11 people there and they were there to see one of the guys that was on after me because you can go and like, it's a, it's it's the type of thing. It's it's t- like open mic, but it's like local people that are associated with Yuck Yucks. So I just kind of registered with them, I guess. Like once you're at Yuck Yucks, they they assume that you work for them because I I got a few calls then to do some gigs. And anyway, so this was tough because I got up and I'm like, is anybody a hockey fan? You would think that people that don't like playing crowds. You would think that. A smaller crowd you would prefer but that's not the case like when i did oshawa i'm talking i did the first thing you know jerry had me do and i did the civic center i think it's called the gm center gm center must be um where the oshawa generals play like it was for those here in st john's it was as big as mile one probably a little bit bigger right this where this was and i came out and there was four or five there i mean the, the back part was sectioned off but it was more than half. And then there's, and there's seats on the floor as well. Right. So that goes all the way up. There was four or 5,000 people there. And. It was. You know, like, cause if, 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 if 3,000 aren't laughing, but a thousand are, you can, it still feels good. And, and some things are like contagious. Like, I don't know, like sometimes th- I'm telling a hockey story and it might just be something interesting that the hockey fan you know, like talking about a tv timeout or something or what guys say in the penalty box to each other that's really parts of my stories involve stuff like that and i don't really think they're funny they're just I'm, it's just i'm just describing the story but then people might get a laugh that's why jerry was always like record every show and it really makes sense because then you can really see what people responded to and you're like oh that works and then eventually you cut the waste. So that's why when I'm on chicklets and stuff and people say I'm a good storyteller, it's really honestly trying trial and error and doing it so many times on stage, like needing a laugh, needing one. Right. So I choose to, because again, maybe say the story about my last NHL shift, you know, there's so much more I could put in there. That's not really funny. It's just descriptive, like in a day in the life of playing on the Montreal Canadiens but you just, you quickly realize what to chop and what to add. And uh, same thing, the Mike Milbury story, knocking my teeth out with a hammer, that story. um, I generally tell those same stories, right? I mean, I pick from like one of, we're fighting Domi, whatever, one of 10 or 12. If a gun's to my head, I just go with the Milbury story. But um, anyway, that's the way it works. And I'm up there and I was just winging it, but like, I would get up sometimes at the comedy barn, and like, it, it, and people would also know going in that I was coming. So like, anyway, if, if they didn't, if I just got up on open mic night, which I had to do a few times, it was like, I knew that there was people waiting for me to get off. Like some people were always entertained. I don't recall any time other than that one. I just told you there was 11 people and nobody laughed. And my first thing is like, Hey, if you're not into hockey, just play on your phone or whatever. I'm not offended. And that's normally what I lead with. And you know, because it's true. If you're not into hockey, I'm, you know, especially. <laughs> that's why I'm a one-trick pony. I mean, it ain't going to work in Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, if I guess parts of Mobile and stuff got pro hockey. But you know what I'm saying. I can pretty much guarantee that if there's people in a bar in Canada, someone's going to be at least a little bit entertained in there because I'm talking about hockey and they might know it. The more people that are into hockey, the better my show goes. Um, it, And anyway, so what ended up happening, what I did more often than not, God rest his soul, Dale Howardchuck. Um, Dale Howard who passed away a year ago in August, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, he called me and he had this golf tournament up in Mississauga. My that's where me and PJ stock, my guest last week, we stayed together. Um so we would golf with all these legends. I mean, like Peter Mahovlich and Grant Fiore, Ally Afraidy. oh God, Mike Palmatier was there. All kinds of legends. Um, and I'm 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 drawing a blank because i my I'm on the spot. Oh, Wendell Clark, Gary Lehman. So he called me. And he said, and you know, when I'm doing the comedy bar I'm like yuck, yuck so I was only getting like 50 bucks a time. Like, I'm not getting much money, right? And those nights. Um, opening for Jerry, a little different. That's between him and me. But, you know, he allowed me to sell some books at the events and I would really make money doing that. And um, so I was doing all right, but I was only opening for Jerry like four or five times that whole summer. I was up there all summer. Like, I had to find something to do. So I was like hustling, man. I was out there. I swear to you for the first two weeks and I don't talk about this much, but I had, I, I was up there because I wanted to make money to send home as well. Danielle and I, Danielle and I were going through a divorce. Uh, Tyson was graduating high school. We were we, long story, but we did poorly on an investment. It was all my fault. Faces magazine. Um, and we were in debt. And, and so I had to get money back. I was at union station. I, I don't want to say I was homeless because I guess I had an option, but I, I, I didn't know where my next, next day of work was coming from. So I just chose to wait. And then when I get a gig, I'd send money home to them. Right. So I, I just didn't want to waste money on a hotel or an apartment. So for the first two weeks, I was just walking around with an iPod on just Or I guess my phone fucked only a few years ago, but, you know, listening to Spotify or whatever, I was just uh, podcasts, whatever. And I just walk around Toronto until the day, the next day and sneak sleep here or there fucking park bench swear to you i know it sounds it sounds insane This was just a few years ago but you know that's why i talk anxiety and then i had to go out and do fucking comedy i had to do that again lost a bunch of money because of a bad investment so i went up there when jerry said let's write a show and you can work for me i jumped at moving to ontario but i didn't want to stay there penny lane's back here killed me watching her recitals and everything i was in a par- apartment with no furniture in it when i finally did get an apartment i had no furniture other than going out and getting shit at like I ended up going to like a yard sale and getting like a lawn chair. It was, it was embarrassing. Anyway, anyway, I was there for a few months and it was hell. And I had to, uh, people think, I mean, obviously it was fun hanging out with Jerry D, but you know, I was trying to make money to send home for three people that were depending on me and didn't know where my next, fucking meal was coming from i used to go down at parkdale anybody who knows it it was down by a place oh man fuck it's a really cool old school bar oh man this is just awful i'll think of it in a second but uh, no i gotta google it one sec the cadillac lounge that's the name of it the last time i was in toronto I was a couple of years ago, and they uh, they were closing down, they said, within the month. Hopefully, they didn't. It was a legendary spot. I saw some great rock and roll bands in there. Nice patio out back. Loved, loved the patio. And just like a menu that, like, you know what I mean? Like 10 pages. They had, like, everything from macaroni and cheese to, like, and eh, steaks. Oh, God burritos like anything it was just a lot wasn't like a five-star place but little nice little nook in the wall i I liked it right across the street from the rhino as soon as you hit into parkdale but uh anyway in behind that was which is which is nice but the rest of parkdale if you if you go deep i mean you know it's known for nothing against you Parkdalers out there but it's it's a Bit of crime, there was some uh, robberies at the time. I the place I ended up getting an apartment in was uh one night I could hear gunshots and a bunch of shit happened anyway. It was so like it was lonely more than anything. Again, I got friends, so I would lean on David Ling, oh god, Trans Sam, with that's what I would do, right? And and, and I would just go and, and hang out with them. Now, when Dale hired me to do the tournament. Uh, things started to change because that was way more money than I was, I was getting down anywhere, really. And, and then I got a few other gigs like that. And it's way easier to talk to a hockey crowd that knows you're coming, right? These guys, I'm telling stories about Bob Probert and that, and they all knew him, right? So they're entertained more than I am. Like it, it, when it happened, right? Their they're memories of their friends. I'm telling stories about my first camp and everything in Mark Reckie. And, you know, I'm talking to people that are in the hall of fame with them. So, he really saved me. And then from that, I got a bunch of other stuff like golf tournaments. I, I I thought it was Eric Lindros's, but I know he was there. I remember being there when he, at least it seemed that he just found out he was going to be inducted into the hall of fame. Ron McLean was there. It was, it was stuff like that. I started to do these events and Dale saved me for that man. And then to be honest, I, I, I don't know what the goal was. I was up there and I was sending money back and uh, Frontier was starting up again. I think for season two or three. That's what happened. And I, I got a job. I won't tell you. I I I got a job at one of the sports major stations. I was going to be uh, one of the Leafs' home analysts, uh, amongst other things. And I missed Penny Lane too much. And I said Frontier's starting. And I called ahead of time and got a job on locations. But then as soon as I got back, that's when Momoa gave me, did me a favor, right? I mean, he made me his personal assistant for five months, and then he gave, gave me a stunts. Like, he took me around with people that did, like, Lord of the Rings, uh, Kim ferdy Todd Scott, Tommy Clark, a bunch of us, and a bunch more. And we were, uh, so if you see any anything at all in Frontier Season 3, I'm in almost every day doing stunts. I was his personal assistant. I was just going around in a red coat. Okay. And, and again, he had a personal assistant, but she stayed in California for some reason. I can't remember. Um, She needed a few months off. And uh, so that was it. So Momoa took me over to Europe then, and we did season three, three months in the UK. And he paid me as his personal assistant. And he paid me well, got me out of a real hole, man. So that's why I love Jason Momoa. And that was it. I just told him this story. And he said, what? He goes, okay, so we'll just get you in as much as we can. And I mean, he like really did me a favor. So it worked out anyway, see how I ramble. But I think that was a story worth knowing. So um, didn't have much to do with hockey, did it? A little bit, I guess. But anyway, so long, long, I just made that story as long as I possibly could, because what I'm actually talking about is what I was doing this week. Yeah. So it's uh, that's why I like working in film and doing stunts. It's a rush. Right. And, and much like it was, I said, my first NHL shift or something, but also like every time I get up to do standup. So I, again, I, I don't love it. I don't even love public speaking. Like I get really nervous, but when it's over, it's like the feeling of being after a game before, you know, there's a lot of anxiety that goes with hockey. Um, another part, you know, you don't always want to play people go, you get to do what you love. It's true. But it be, once it becomes a business, it's not always, you know, there are parts that you still love, but, you know, it's hard work and you don't want to play every night. Like sometimes, you know, it's 82 games, a lot of goddamn games. And even in junior, you go away, it's 72-game schedule. If, at least it was for us. Like, fuck, man. Like some games you pull into like Swift Current. You're just like, you're, you just fell asleep or you're, you, you, I don't know, you talk to your girlfriend or you're... Your buddies are at home going through a hard time or whatever. And the last thing you fucking want to do, man, is go and skate around. Like it really takes a mindset. That's why good leaders are huge in the room. And people say, oh, there's, you know, business, it's an idiot. All he did was play the stereo. And, you know, be. and a lot of guys who did that and we're tough guys and everything, they're, they're humble. But no, there's something huge to that. And I that's the way I would lead anyway. I, I wasn't a guy to go do this, do that, fuck you. Some people need to be told that, but there are leaders that are, are great and, and, you know, are very militant almost and, 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 you know, just in their approach and, and you need that kind of thing, right. To, to be together, to be a team, to be soldiers going together, but there's also people that got to keep it loose. Right. So I was definitely that. And I learned from some of the best and some of the best tough guys would always be like, you know, first in the room and telling jokes and, and people think there's nothing to it, man. If you don't play, I'm fucking telling you there is. Because how many times do you walk in and go, oh, the last fucking place I want to be right now. Our team gets like three tough guys in the lineup. It's sold out, right? You're in like Wheeling, West Virginia, going, oh, God. They got Gillies in the lineup tonight and yablonski Fuck sakes. Oh, well, we got two guys out that at 200 penalty minutes. Oh, what are you talking about? I'm... It's only me and Graffer. Oh, Jesus. Okay, well, I'm on the menu, you know, you know and, and maybe you just wanted to play Nintendo or some shit that night. You know, like, I'm not complaining because, you know, that goes with the job. And to be professional, you got to do that shit. Not everybody wants to go to any job. I'm just telling you as fans what you don't often think about. And Jesus, did I ever love guys that would go to war with me that had a sense of humor. It felt, re- it felt like I could relate to them, you know? Best teams I ever played on, guys were fucking around all the time, uh, including national teams, right? Come time to play, though, fucking soldier up, right? But, uh, but that's why. I, I, I don't know how you could ever be even any tough guy at all and, and be serious the whole time. I mean, life would suck, right? I tell the story about Moose when I fought Cam Russell. He fought Bob Probert that night. You know, of course, we're joking around and shit. I mean, it's, uh, and you know, and it is fun. It's just the lead up to it is is, there's anxiety involved. Uh, But anyway, it's an adrenaline rush, right? And you go over to the penalty box afterwards. You feel some good, man, when the fight's over and you've had a good one. And uh, often would look over and wink at the other player. Often, half the time, have a chat. But uh, it's just and that feeling is like, you know, is there in the film world when they say action. It's like that dreamlike state that you're in that. And there's something to it. When I said like it feels like it doesn't quite feel like you're stoned like weed, but it's time slows down a little bit and your senses are triggered. And maybe it's just so. Surreal, surreality, the surrealness of the situation. Maybe, maybe that's it. The time slows down, but I'm telling you for me, like when I picture those moments, I'm I'm even looking at the boards, like, and I can read the writing. I can read the ads. Um, So the moments obviously stood out, right? I can remember the exact angle in Montreal from the penalty box looking over. I know everything that I saw. I can just picture it in my, and picture Eric Lindros skating by me going like what the fuck like i'm out here with eric lindross like this is real like he had the puck and he's skating with it i'm like it was just looking down and like a couple times you know he hit me in the corner and it was all surreal but a huge adrenaline rush and i get that while 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 being on set but i had all the boys in and marcus power had to hit me real hard too we did a stunt and uh it's the best stunt I've ever done, though, because we already got our gear. Anyway, I don't want to give too much away, but the, what we did, you know, I, I teach kids how to take a hit often in, in hockey school, but it's not even quite that. It's the embellishing. For me, I was just like selling a selling a hit to the referee, right? And it did look fucking crazy. It looked like he lost, but we, we didn't go... I'm still giving stuff away, but it wasn't head on head. It wasn't like a Scott Stevens. I don't think there's any way to do that in real time and not hurt yourself. And I had concussions. Like I still get like those who had concussions in hockey, like I missed a lot of time. That's the you know, a lot of time with uh post-concussion syndrome. And it was like right after I got drafted, it sucked. But and weird that it never came back through a punch with all those fights. But a few times it's come back and I'm like, oh God. And I'm right there. Like two years ago, playing senior hockey. I was breaking out with Colin Escott. He was going one way, I was going the other. He's a big dude. And uh it was the power play. And I just, you know, looked around and I thought I and I was wheeling as if nothing was coming. And we hit each other. And sure enough, man, I came home. I got up in the morning. I'm like, motherfucker, it's back. Jesus. Now this time it lasted like three days and it was gone, but at at the peak of it, it lasted eight or nine months for me, man. It was horrible. Almost a calendar year. Really? You can see that on the net. Uh, Terry Ryan gets hit. Damon Lankow, Byron Brisky respond. That's the uh, handle on, on uh, YouTube. But anyway, we had a great week. We had, uh, the boys had a fucking blast and, um, and so did I. So thanks to everybody at Hudson and Rex. And I mean everybody, because it's a large, large team, but uh, it had to go through the producers and the directors. And, you know, the background and wardrobe, we all had to make sure that we could figure it out, right? I mean, it's it's easier said than done because think of the little things, right? All the helmets got to match and the gloves and the, uh, you know, the, the particular gear. You can't show the logos. Then, Where are we going to do it and, you know, uh, getting the the fans and and how are we going to recreate this? It's not exactly easy to recreate hockey. That's why I got a bunch of guys that can play, either pros or major juniors, because uh, I think that's one of the biggest things, mistake that hockey movies make or TV shows. There's often like there's often a tell. They might have one or two players, but there's often a tell. You look and like they're guys on the bench have like earpieces on and shit. And you're like, no one wears fucking earpieces, man. Unless you're in beer league or something, right? Or or the letters will be on the wrong side, which was reserved only for the Detroit Red Wings in my mind. Um, or like the sticks won't be taped, right? You know, there's often shit like that. So to avoid it, we just got a bunch of guys that know what the fuck they're doing, basically. But it uh, it certainly was fun. And uh, everybody had a blast. So if you're from the Hudson and Rex world and you're listening to this, thank you once again. Uh, A couple things. Okay, so first, I'm running for counsel. Um, um, People are asking me, I I touched on it last week. Look, listen. There are a few things that I want to do. I don't want to give them all away. But I know I can help definitely in the entertainment and the athletic community, um, entertainment industry and the athletic community. Um, I think those are obvious, but pe- people I, I don't I don't mean just from like being around the fields and the rinks and stuff. I mean, helping to get national tournaments here, right, which brings revenue to the city, which we can use in other areas. Uh, like I said, there's there's a, there Hudson and Rex is here and we got another few shows being filmed here This. Surrealter was, uh, what's it called? There's, there's surreal something. It's a real estate, surreal estate. It's called, uh, that's here. We got son of a critch being filmed. Now Peter Pan is here filming. So there's all kinds of things going on and we have a studio in Mount Pearl. So, and there are areas of Mount Pearl, you know, we got soccer fields and hockey rinks and baseball and all that stuff. That's often in these shows. So I've, I've got, and uh, incredible access, having acted in these things and working. I work in the, in the film industry as crew and basically behind the camera and in front of it. So I have connections. I'm, I'm not saying that I can get everything in here, but even an episode of Hudson and Rex. Uh, and we work out of Mount Pearl now. Um, a lot of people don't know that, uh, you know, do you maybe. Soften that relationship, but I'm not, not sure there's any conflict to it. I, I'm just saying, you know, I definitely can boost that industry being heavily involved, uh, all of which brings revenue into Mount Pearl that we can use in other ways. Okay. You talk about ideas. How would I use it? I I don't want to give them all away. One idea, though, you know, you know, St. David's Park there that used to be baseball field, uh, soccer field, it, it, tennis. It was all, it was with the hub of where we used to go. And then the softball came in, men's like over 60 softball and put their clubhouse there. And, and anyway, we were all pissed off growing up because we loved it. It was where we go down and play under the lights and everybody met and a lot of people, their first kiss shit like that. Right. Um Kind of like an Alan Jackson summer song. Like it was, it was that kind of, or John Mellencamp, maybe felt like one of those, like you were in a video for a John Mellencamp song. It's a lot of fun growing up, but but anyway, but that area now, right, is, is a, I don't know what you want to call it. It's a walking area. I mean, it's nice. It's all right to look at, but I was thinking about making in the winter, like Bannerman park, like putting the ice in, right. Cause it, those who are from Mount Pearl, I know I'm talking to a real select few here of the, of the people that listen to this, but you know what I mean? Even those from Newfoundland, you, you know, that it's got a, like a little paved walk going around just like Bannerman park does, but Bannerman makes it an uh, ice rink or it, not rink, but ice path, I guess they 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 make it ice, a nice little skating area in the winter. We've all been there well, I'd love to do that there right I know so so that's one thing that I think is easily doable would give everybody enjoyment and um, I think would kind of hit all demographics. I don't know of anybody that wouldn't enjoy that at some point, from the youngest to the oldest. Anyway, right? Just, just shit like that. I don't know. It's not ultra important, but on a, in a, in a, for a small city, it is. It's, I have no at all desire to run for any provincial or federal politics. None. So that isn't the goal. I don't want to be involved in that world. I respect people that are. I find there's a lot of just fake smiles and what. And there has to be, right, to get shit done. So I respect people that go into it. Not Everybody. Not everybody, but you know, you're putting yourself out there, man. And I don't—I kind of am now on council, but not the same. I'm, ta- I'm seeing these people all the time too. I was born in Mount Pearl. I grew up here. I'm still heavily involved. Anything happens in Mount Pearl, I'm there. I love the place. So, you know, I came back. I could have lived all over the world, man. Um, raising my daughter here, raised BJ's son Tyson here. Um. So I find it, I'm I'm not underestimating it. I'm just saying from my point of view, these are all people, like I like to be hands-on, right? I'm going to see these people. I see them all the time. And that to me, like there, there can be an actual relationship, you know, like just from being around, like, I don't know, going to bingo or a blades game or whatever it is, or watching Penny Lane soccer, right? Like whatever it might be, we're around, we're faces that you see. I find the further you go up, the more you're dealing with other politicians and less with the public, even though you're representing more people, you're not necessarily having these relationships with them. So that's why I want to run for for local um, municipal politics. Um, as far as anything else, you know, I don't know. I've worked in teams my whole life. So I know I know I have no experience with the finance, say, or or. I don't know, infrastructure, you know, but I, I just listen and I'd have people help me. Isn't that what it's for? So I just, cause I'm getting the question, like, you know, do you you realize what a commitment it is? Of course I do. But I mean, I'm telling you all day long, I'm answering stuff on my phone. Like I couldn't be busier. So I'd rather at least like, you know what I mean? Like it's all like today. It's like, Hey, Terry, My so-and-so is going through hard time for whatever reason. Um, We need to go to Montreal. Uh, We're going to go to Montreal. I'm going to give my dad his wish, whatever. Uh, Can you get us tickets, um, you know, in November, whatever it is, right? So I get at least 10 of those a day. And then the, you know, people like to buy my book they're great they're customers they're they're fans. they're but they will come to the door and or i'll drop it off to them you think i'm lying i'm not i drive it all over town i just charge 25 bucks and uh i'll sign it and you know when when i get four or five that want one i'll just spend i'll put on a podcast man and listen i love it drive all over town drop them off right so i'm doing shit like that anyway uh if, if if Mount Pearl constituent had a issue, it, it really would only be something that in in indirectly like or, or not indirectly, but the kind of thing that is usually part of my week anyway at some point, right? And it would be a priority. Um, it is a paid gig, so. Um, you know, no one's going to get rich from it. Money isn't the motivator, but it helps, and it would be a priority that I could easily do the other things. Um, like, when I work on the film set, I'm a daily, so if if I have four or five days off, I just phone in and say, okay, like, I'm available this week, Monday to Friday, uh, or I actually give an email, right, and then whatever department will get to me. And if I'll go, you know, I can't work Tuesday, but I'll be in Wednesday, Thursday, rather than take the five days permanent spot on set, right. For, for their run or whatever it is. So, and I, my podcast, as you see, I can do it whenever I want to do it. So the other things that keep me busy, I can just do them on my own. Yes, I'm busy, but I can do them on my own time. When I'm running TJ's pub, I just go down there in the morning, usually six or seven in the morning. I do those ads. I'm not drinking every night. Right, I do those posts just you know to. I might go down for a beer or often, a what are they, those prohibition beers, or whatever. Right, and uh, go in and watch the live act or whatever, get a bite to eat on George Street and then or on Water Street, whatever, on a patio, and then pop home. But I, you know, that's all on my own time. I well, I got to be there every morning, but you know, I can go there at five or six if I want, whenever. Penny Lane's up early every morning man so I'm down there before eight and then you know in the afternoon or if I want to go down usually a couple nights a week you know I'll get a few guys and we'll go down have a bite to eat and go over for a couple or after hockey or whatever but it's all on my own time so being it's a meeting right it's the council meets once every week or two maybe it's a zoom once a week and every two in I, I I forget but it's It's like that. I mean, you're always working because your email is open and you're, I suppose, like any other job. But it doesn't require you to be as a counselor, at least in Mount Pearl, there nine to five every day. Right. So I don't mind taking on multiple things as long as I can pick and choose when I do them. Right. I mean, this I do my podcast any day from Monday. Basically, I haven't done Monday in a while, but Tuesday, say. Basically, at a Saturday. I'm doing it today this is the latest in a while usually it's tuesday to thursday i've done monday to Saturday. so i can do any goddamn day of the week right and all i really need is an idea right here i just opened the computer i didn't i don't have anything what and now i talk too much i don't know if you're entertained whoever's there i guarantee you there's less people still tuning in than there was at the beginning of this podcast how long have i been going for 45 minutes i think about nothing but anyway i know some people like that and you know it might get you through your day and whatever whatever if there's a few people that i'm still talking to then uh yeah like i said i can do it whenever i can do it whenever i want so if there's any people out there that think that it would be too much no it wouldn't it would actually be i mean people also send me messages about i mean there's pretty some some pretty crazy stuff right it's all hockey fans but you know, people go like, what do you think of the Leafs power play? And I'm like, fuck, that's hard to type. Does every fan think I'm going to type back like what I think they should do like on the power play? If I did that, I would just always be typing. Right? It's crazy. But I do. I get back to whoever the, the people that I can. Like I try to get back to people. So like, ha- I mean, th- no, not half my day, but three hours a day, three hours a day. I don't like to leave people hanging. I d- I I, I hate looking down and seeing that some fan bought my book and is telling me thank you and not getting back to them. So I try to get back to everybody. But now if I got on council, I wouldn't. Right? I'm saying it's it's three hours that I'm doing that, that I could easily be doing something else that would be kind of the same thing, looking down, typing, putting my mind at work um, one way or another. And that's not to say I don't appreciate the messages and stuff. Just as time goes, guys, I can't get back to everybody. That's just the way it is. Um, What in God's name am I going to talk about now? I think we've been going. Should I talk about anything when it comes to hockey? One thing. One thing. I'm throwing this out there. Oh, and and by the way, when it comes to that, if anybody wants to donate, uh, I hate doing this. I was going to do a GoFundMe, but I can't bring myself to do it. But I do need money for signs and stuff i mean it's like anything like when i say i'm check to check i think most of us are aren't we am i like you know right now i'm doing pretty good but like you know the next step is i'll put money down on a a house um but then you know the payments get bigger i'm not renting i'm got a mortgage that's probably going to be a little bit more right um I, i like my car but just naturally you know it's a dodge charger it's 2010 it's had a lot of problems i've <clears throat> put a lot of money into it this year so i probably want to you know there's a few things coming in the fall so i, th- I think i can afford to, to move up a little bit you know and, and get a new vehicle well a new used vehicle but in any case right like it's like an- anybody right and then you, you know you might Get a family, and you know you you might like screwing and you get a So I think a lot of people are check to check. It doesn't mean you necessarily. I think that takes care of like a big, large area of of money. So I don't want to seem like I'm begging because it's the same story as Toronto I just told. Because it's not. I'm 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 doing much better, but it's it's basically yeah. You know it's 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 get paid, pay the bills. Hopefully there's a little bit left over for something. Usually that's in the realm of penny lane. And, um, you know, so I don't have five or 10 grand sitting around to put down on signs and advertising. And, and that's what I need. Now I've had a few people donate so far and, uh, really thank you. And, and a couple have really gone above and beyond what they, they should have done. So I've got, I've got a sensible fraction of that number raised already. Um, I don't want to mention their names. I don't know. I I, I probably will at some point, but I don't know if they want their names mentioned. Um, But thank you. You know who you are. Uh, Yeah. So. Oh, outside of that, when it comes to hockey, the last thing I'll say. So my dad played for a team called the Lansing Lancers. Okay. Now he. I went, so I went on this vintage hockey site and he, he also played for the Minnesota Fighting Saints and I love the logo and they're starting. So I, I bought a hoodie and a t-shirt. Um, and yeah, Minnesota Fighting Saints hoodie and t-shirt. Okay. So I went, I went and he also played for the Suncoast Suns. So I'm going to get some of that stuff. I want to get like all some memorabilia from He me, played for the Hamilton Red Wings. Right. So it's all online except this team, the Lansing Lancers. And when I looked at it, I said, so Lansing, I believe, is in Michigan. But this team was only around for 41 games. I didn't realize that. So dad happened to get sent there just for 41 games. So, okay, I'm going to go to Wikipedia. So it was the 74-75 season. After moving from Toledo, Ohio, where it played as the Toledo Blades from 63 to 70 and the Hornets from 70 to 74, the team then moved to Lansing, Michigan, and suspended operations on January 16th, 1975. They had played only 41 of 75 games. And my dad was there for that. I didn't realize, I don't think he realized that they only played 41 games ever either. So I'm trying to find Lansing Lancer stuff. And usually that's just a quick Google search. I'm telling you, there's not that much. There's like some stuff, it looks to me like, yeah, it, it doesn't look legit. And those sites like vintage hockey, no, they don't have them. You'd figure they would have them. And it's a wicket, it's purple. They they were purple with like a horse and a knight, you know what I mean? With those that jouster thing. Like would have just it it's cool shit. It looks cool to me. Like there's not many purple hockey teams. Um, maybe not that there should be, but I don't know. I, I'm looking for if anybody has any Lansing Lancers uh, shirts or shirts, hopefully. I say that because there are people that send me stuff like from different places that there's lots of T-shirts me and senior get. I've posted some stuff and, you know, you just can't get them online. Um, someone sent me a, a Charleston Chiefs jacket that I've never, ever seen. Uh that was Andy Nowicki, actually, from Red Deer a bunch of years ago. My old goalie coach. Uh, I just remembered that. So, but, you know, I don't know where the hell Andy got this, but I, I couldn't find it online. And it's not like it, it's, it's just black and white. It's kind of, what do they call it? Like a Leatherman jacket with uh, Chiefs on it. And it's black and white. Not like the movie, the Slapshot, where it's blue, gold, and white, I think. Anyway, so there, there's stuff out there that people are producing. So if anybody has a beat on anything, Lansing Lancers, let me know. And I will either make a fair trade or, uh, I'll pay you for it. And there is a friend out there. Merle Merle, uh, is out in BC and Merle sent me. my, 1996-97 white Montreal Canadiens jersey, official. And I can't thank you enough, my man. I'm going to send you back something real soon. It's 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 being sent in from Cornerbrook. It's like a charity jersey that I wore. Uh, look, it doesn't make up. I mean, you're sending me an NHL jersey that I wore. There's nothing that can make up, make up for that. But... I mean, I'm going to send this out. It's something. I wore it in a one of those NHL alumni games that tours the islands. And, um, you know, I'll send out a pic or something as well. But uh, to say just thank you is uh, just a total understatement. It gave me goosebumps. I had tears in my eyes. And my mom and dad brought it up to me at the soccer field. And all the uh, under 11 girls there were there that I coach. And uh, they really got a kick out of it. So I appreciate that, buddy. Now, on that note, on that note, whoever is still listening to this, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And you're the kind of uh, fans that keep me uh, keep me going because uh, I wasn't going to open this. I was at a soccer tournament all day. It's Saturday. I missed having a guest and everything this week. But anyway. Some people want a story or some content and uh, whatever. And, and there it is. There it goes. Okay. TJ's Patio. If you're downtown St. John's, George Street Festival next week, can't wait. Green Sleeves, downtown, uptown, check it out. Trinity Pub, what a spot. Uh, Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined. DraftKings, thanks for coming on board uh, this year as a sponsor. And they've been just fantastic. So thanks to DraftKings. Thanks to Isha and Dylan from the Hockey Podcast Network out in Vancouver that uh, have been through the ups and downs with me and uh, really work hard. They really, really do work hard for the Hockey Podcast Network. And check out one of the other shows. There's 30-odd of of, of, uh, shows out there under the umbrella of the Hockey Podcast Network. And many are getting better and better every day. Some of you guys suck, too. So pick it up. Pick up the slack. I'm just I'm just kidding. I don't have a time, guys. I know a lot of you listen to this one. I listen to, I try to pick one or two a week as I can. So I've listened to each one at least once, to be honest with you. And I liked them all. Um, you think I'm being dishonest? I'm just playing the crowd? No, I really do. But, but I know that some people stopped, right? Dylan and Isha, there is a vet, vetting process. <laughs> it's not just like. So I know that what I'm listening to isn't just a rough draft from some yam yams. It was at the beginning, but at this point, it's really tight ship. And I got to say, I like, uh, I like what I've heard so far. So check out other podcasts, Hockey Podcast Network, Wedgwood Cafe. Great spot on Elizabeth Avenue. They also answer to your catering needs. Congrats to Robbie Squires, my good buddy, who won the Newfoundland Amateur Golf Championship at, uh, well, he's my age, 44 years old. Uh, and And just one of my good buddies, I couldn't be happier, and he's really uh, he's really doing well. Uh, congrats, Robbie on just uh, on everything that you've achieved and your family and your smile. You are a great guy. We go way back, and I can't wait to see you again. This has been episode sixty five. Thanks, everybody. Catch you on the rebound.